Now, we know that the code yellow at Royal Darwin and Palmerston Hospitals remains in place. The internal emergency was declared on Friday and it was the second code yellow at top-end hospitals in two days with a spike in emergency presentations causing a code yellow at the Catherine Hospital on Thursday. Now, yesterday, the Chief Minister explained that the pressure on Royal Darwin Hospital and Palmerston Regional Hospital is due to staff shortages, a rise in mental health patients and long-stay patients taking up beds. Now, to shed a bit more light on the situation and let us know what is going on is Dr Robert Parker, who is indeed the head of the AMA, the Australian Medical Association's Northern Territory branch. Good morning to you, Dr Parker. Morning, Katie. Now, Dr Parker, uh, what do you understand has led to these code yellows? Well, I think, as I've I've said in previous interviews, I mean, in 2019, I wrote to Minister Hunt pointing out that territory hospitals were the busiest hospitals in Australia, often two to three times as busy as other states and territories. And they've been underfunding for years by both sides of government, both federal and state, and it's now coming to the crunch um, where we haven't got enough beds, we haven't got enough staff, and the, the problem is with aged care, again, we haven't got enough aged care beds. Mm. For people who are infirm and are significantly disabled who need to be in an aged care, aged care bed are actually sort of backed up in the hospital awaiting further care, all of which is contributing to, you know, this very high pressure on the hospital. And all the code yellow is is really just a statement that the hospital, you know, is just overwhelmed with a range of factors that have, some are some are have been long term and some yep. are much more short term, uh, but it's just continuing pressure. And I think it just reflects um, the fact. And I mean, what's happening in the territory is is fairly similar, unfortunately, to what's happening um, in other parts of Australia. And I mean, the AMA's had this logjam campaign nationally because of similar pressures affecting other hospitals and other states and territories. Um, and it also, to a degree, reflects um, two, two sort of patient issues, which are an ageing population. Um, people are living longer, and we've yep. got the sort of baby boomer effect. So when people are turning up to hospital, quite often they've got complex issues. You know, in the old days, you'd probably turn up with a one or two significant issues that could be meaningfully managed and then discharged. But the complexity of people turning up to hospital these days is, is more intense, and that means that they they tend to have tend to have admissions and longer stays. Doctor Parker, and of course, another factor affecting yep. the territory mm. is that a third of our population are indigenous. I mean, there's a, I mean, the, the close the gap mortality is just sort of the the apex of a pyramid, yep. and underneath that apex is all the chronic illness factors that, that lead to hospitalisation. In that letter I wrote to um, Minister Hunt, I pointed out that we've got, we had at that stage, half a number of primary care practitioners we needed in remote and rural areas, and we had double the number of avoidable admissions. Yeah. I mean, and obviously there's a reflection now. I mean, obviously everyone's very concerned about, A, the, the, the GPs, lack of GPs in Australia and falling numbers of GPs, and secondly, the obviously the issue about bulk billing and, and being able to access GPs because, um, you know, GPs, are, because of being able yeah. to run their practices and take money home to their families, GPs are often having to abandon 
well, Billy, yep. because um, it just isn't it, it isn't giving them a viable business anymore. Yeah, it's something so we've spoken about. Are impacting currently on the current health situation. Yeah, it is certainly something we've spoken about before. And that point you make about the fact that uh, you know that you'd written to the federal health minister all the way back in 2019 about these issues and also about the funding, um, Dr. Parker, can you paint a bit of a picture for our listeners at the moment? You know, when we talk about a code yellow in both the uh, Royal Darwin Hospital and the Palmerston Regional Hospital. What are we talking here? Are we talking about patients being in hallways? Are they double bunked? What's going on? Well, there may be double bunking at times. So I think it's unlikely there are patients in hallways, but I can't absolutely say that doesn't happen. What that means is that the hospital has regular meetings. So, you know, rather than doing your daily business, you have to go to meetings a couple of times a day to look at patient flow and what's going on in the different departments. So the, the hospital goes to a sort of much higher level of acute sort of footing to try and manage the situation. And quite often, unfortunately, that leads to cancellation of, uh, of elective surgical lists. And again, you know, quite often the people have been on these lists for months and they've often got chronic disabling and painful conditions. Mm-hmm. But that's that, that's how the hospital manages, by diverting resources away from, from services that they can, you know, sacrifice yep. in the short term to try and manage the very high bed state. Now, Dr Parker, the opposition claims that the lifting of the alcohol ban has added extra pressure on the health system. From your perspective, is that the case? I would think that's a factor, certainly. I mean, I was very concerned and obviously very vocal when the Chief Minister decided not to pursue the Stronger Futures issue with with alcohol bans in communities. And we predicted, A, that there would be an increasing impact on emergency departments with alcohol-related injuries and other other issues, and this would have a devastating impact on the families of people, and you know, with domestic violence and children exposed to pretty awful situations at home, which will have much more of a long-term mental health impact. So, I would tend to agree with the opposition that it's a factor. It's not the whole situation, yeah, but certainly it's a factor in the increasing pressure on hospitals. So since the, the ending of that legislation, the Stronger Futures legislation, would you say that there has been a difference in terms of, you know, what you're seeing in there at the hospital? Well, again, I've always been concerned that, you know, people, it seems to be related to human rights and the human right to have a drink and then and then abuse your partner and destroy your family. You know, and certainly, I mean, I, I, the department hasn't been particularly forthcoming with statistics, but I think, Bill Yan has probably anecdotally heard from clinicians on the floor about increasing rates of alcohol fuel issues presenting to ED. The AMA's got no information about this. It's unlikely we'll get any formal data from yeah. the department about this. But certainly, I mean, I think it's almost inevitable, as, as I predicted at the time, that when you abandon alcohol restrictions... Um, people will drink and there'll be significant consequences from that. So uh, from what I'm hearing, you would say that, that right now, you know, that is part of the, the issue here, the changes to the alcohol legislation, but also, um, you know, the fact that, uh, that there's not enough funding uh, for our hospitals. We have got one of the sickest populations in Australia and that we realistically need more funding. Well, that's correct. I mean, there is, I mean, I also agree with the Chief Minister about um, nurses. I mean, unfortunately... There has been a significant problem with, with nurses entering nurse or people entering nurse training in Australia. And, I mean, we um, we used to supplement it, obviously, with, with, with people coming from overseas. COVID had a significant impact on that, as I understand, you know, with closing borders. So that had a major impact on, on being able to obtain a, a workforce. 
But obviously, my understanding is now that there's a, a backlog of visa applications. And, you know, the department, to its credit, is working with the federal government to try and fast-track uh, visa applications so we can get the staff we need to run the hospital. So it is an issue of staff shortage as well. Uh, what about when you talk about, um, you know, our doctors and, uh, like, have we got a shortage there? Well, again, I mean, we're still waiting for the EBA to go through. And, I mean, we're aware that 90% of Territory doctors decided that what the government offered um, was was not, a, was not appropriate. Um, but look, the issue is that people can view this as a greedy doctor issue, but the problem is we have to be competitive in the market um, and we're competing against other states and territories. And if their awards are better, people tend to go and work in other places. So the territory has to have a competitive medical officer's award to get the staff we need to keep the place running. Um, and, we ha- and, and ASMOF have been in communication with the government about that. And I mean, the government, to its credit, has changed its wages policy now. And, and ASMOF are continuing to work with the government to achieve a workable wages policy so we can recruit medical staff. Because at the moment, again, you know, we are unable to recruit often against the award. And we've got, um, you know, we get locums. And, and locums at the moment can charge up to $3,000 a day to yes. work. And that's, you know, that's, that's what the market that's what the market says, you know. Yep. And we have to pay to keep the service going. And, and I've often said to the department, work out how much you measure, you, you know, work out your, how much you're paying in locums as opposed to how much it's going to cost to get an award through. Yeah. And the department hasn't decided to do that. But, I mean, you know, it's a bit of a false economy where you haven't got a viable award, you can't recruit medical staff, and you're having to pay locums a large amount of money to keep the health service going. Dr Parker, uh, do you think that what the government is doing right now in the Northern Territory is working, or what do you think needs to happen to try to ease these issues that we are seeing with the Code Yellows? Because it seems as though we have seen more of them in the recent year than what we had, than what I ever recall being called previously. Well, look, I think, you know, and the credit to the, to the Chief Minister and the, and the Health Minister, I think she is working. I mean, a lot of these issues have been years in development. You know, and I said both sides of politics have been have been equally um, involved in, in in the underfunding of health. And I think the chief minister, to her credit, is trying to is trying to communicate with her federal colleagues about issues and try and develop some funding, and also develop some future planning for the health department. I mean, the the you know, and these these situations can be a bit seasonal. I mean, you, for example, you know, with a, with with COVID and with the flu. You can put increasing pressures and the pressure goes away for a little while, comes back again. Um, but I think the, the you know, the, the continuing code yellow is just to mean that obviously there's a level of, of illness in the community for a range of factors mm. that is putting significant pressure and we're more likely to see code yellows in the future because um, there's sort of like a catch-up. We, we, many of these issues, staffing shortages, underfunding, um, patient, uh, aged care, have been years in the making and can't be undone quickly um, and have to look at sustainable funding options. Dr. And as I said yesterday, you know, with, with the current economic climate and with the, with the debt, um, both federally and with the NC, I can't see rivers of money suddenly opening up no. to sort of solve these situations in the short term. Now, I know that the Australian Salaried Medical Officers Federation had described the situation in the Northern Territory right now as at crisis point. Would you say the same? Well, again, it is a crisis point, but I mean, the, a crisis both, you know, the, the Chinese character for crisis, the calligraphy apparently, has elements of danger and opportunity. 
so there are dangers, but there's also an opportunity to look at uh, ways we can deal with the situation, maybe attract attract more funding, um, look at different ways of doing things occasionally. Well, Dr Robert Parker, the head of the AMA here in the Northern Territory, always appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having a chat with us. Good to talk to you, Katie. Thank you.